I was really blessed growing up because my mother's sister, my aunt, was married with no kids. And there were three of us, my older brother, older sister, and me, and being the baby, which is the best place to be, I was spending summers with my aunt and my uncle just south of Atlanta. And it was a great place to be because it was all about me. And I can remember going there, and there was something special that we did because every evening she would come in to me before I went to bed, and she'd say, now, I have some ideas for tomorrow. What would you like to do? And she'd have them written down, and I'd pick one out. Oh, this will be fun. She said, okay, I promise you that's what we'll do tomorrow. Had I given it a name back then, and I didn't, I would have probably called that my promise box because every day I got to pull out a promise that came true the next day. That's a great way to live. Well, now I'm much older and I'm wondering, do I have a promise box? Well, I do. It's the Word of God. It's the Scriptures, the Bible. There was an individual who did a study of the number of promises in Scripture. He counted 7,487 promises made directly to you and me. 7,487. Now, we're beginning the first of a five-week series on promises. We're going to cover all of those. 7,400. Come on, where are you? Are you kidding me? That's, that's a lot of promises. I was overwhelmed when I saw that number, but we're only going to deal with five. But it's up to you to find the rest of them, and you'll see why as we continue. So I'm going to call this the pathway to promises. We're going to handle one promise today, but really this is how to get those promises once you start realizing how good God is and how much he wants to do for you. So let's pray right now. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for the promises you have made to us. Many of them we know, some of them we haven't even heard of yet because we haven't delved deeply enough into your word. So Lord, speak to us today in many different ways and let those promises come true in our lives to bring you glory and honor. We pray this in your name. Amen. Unless you've been living in seclusion for many years, you're all familiar with Tom Hanks's great iconic movie, Forrest Gump, right? And, and the opening line there is he's sitting on the bench. Now, because I am from the South, God's country, um, I can say it somewhat like he did, that, you know, life is like a box of chocolates. Except I think it's ridiculous. Life is not like a box of chocolates. Not at all. First of all, I don't like chocolate. So it's not about me. Therefore, it has no meaning and no purpose. No, I think life is a series of events. If anything, many of those events are battles. They're battles of good versus evil. Battle of light versus dark. Battle of believer versus unbeliever. They're battles that began in the Garden of Eden. And these battles continue through our lives. Sometimes we know they're going on and we know where they're coming from. Other times we don't. They just, they surprise us. 
They come from people. They come from events. They come from situations. But here's a great promise of God. And that is, he says, the battles are mine. He enters in to every battle his children engage. That's amazing. That's the goodness of God. That he loves you so much that whatever that battle may be, God is there with you and he has a promise for you to help you either navigate through that long battle or to deliver you out of that battle because that's God's promises to us in all of these constant confrontations that we face. The battle is his. So what do we need to know in order to pull down these promises from God for us? What do we need to know? The first thing we need to know is that God is the one who makes the promises. You have to know God. You really have to understand who he is. Now, as the kickoff to this five-part series, I've chosen a section of the major prophet Isaiah because Isaiah is a very interesting book. It has been called a mini-Bible. Why? Well, there's 66 chapters in Isaiah, 66 books in the Bible. The first 39 chapters deal with sin and judgment. That's the Old Testament. The next 27 in the New Testament and in Isaiah deal with redemption and forgiveness. So we're starting off promises in chapter 40, which is the first of those blessings that come to us in our redemption and his forgiveness. So I want to read to you the first few verses, Isaiah chapter 40, beginning in verse 12 through 23. Now, Isaiah is really questioning the people. He's asking them, do you really know who God is? Listen to this. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? Or who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? He has promised to be who he is and never change. With whom then will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? As for an idol, a metal worker casts it, the goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains on it. A person too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. They look for a skilled worker to set up an idol that will not topple. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. And its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. Wow. What Isaiah is saying is there's no one like our God. 
You cannot compare him to anything that has been created because he created it. He spoke and it came into existence. He said, let there be light, and there was. I mean, this is the God we're talking about who loves us, who's made promises to us. He has created all that is. There's nothing that compares to him. I want to reread that 18th verse. With whom then will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? And then 21 through 23 again. Do you not know? Have you not heard? It reminds me of what Paul says in Romans when he says, No man is without excuse, for the creation has revealed the glory of God. So Isaiah is saying the same thing here. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? All rhetorical questions. You should know that this is who God is. And he sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. It's people like grasshoppers, stretches out the heavens like a canopy, spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. Wow. This is the God that we worship. And this is a God who, above all things, is enthroned. So he is, using this term, transcendent. He's beyond us. He's wholly other. And yet, he condescended to come down to us and dwell in us. This creator of the universe loves us because we're his children. That's amazing. You and I are the temple of God. Why? Because the spirit of God lives within us. So how do we get to know God? Well, it's the Father's will that you receive his Son. Now, many of you here have done that. Many of you online have done that. But there may be some of you here today who've never done that, who've never accepted who Jesus Christ is. And we're so glad you're here today. Because this is the beginning of understanding the promises of God. And what greater promise is there than this? If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you believe that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. He's God. He's the Lord. He's the Savior. And all you have to do is receive him in your heart. That's a promise of God to you. For all who came unto him, he received. He won't reject you no matter who you are, what you've done, where you are right now in your life. He'll receive you. That's exciting news. That's news worth sharing because of who our God is, the transcendent and imminent God. So I want to pray right now for any of you that that might include that today will be your day of salvation. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your promises to us. Thank you for the promise of salvation. Thank you that if anyone watching or worshiping with us today needs to have you take over their life, that you will come in right now, that they will say, I'm sorry for my sins. I really am. I need your help. Get me out of this situation. I claim the first promise that you will take me to be your own, Father. So, Lord, continue to be with us and help us understand this. In Jesus' name, amen. You want to know God? The Father, you have to know God the Son. You want to understand the promises? That's where they begin, with the promised Savior. 
But there's a second thing that you need to know. You need to know the spirit who brings the promises. See, the Father has them all here, and he brings them to you through his Holy Spirit. The secret formula for opening God's promise box is the Holy Spirit. That's why in verse 13, Isaiah says, Who can fathom the Spirit of the Lord? In other words, who can understand the Spirit of God? Well, it's not hard to understand him. He is the third person of the Trinity. He is fully God, just as Jesus is God and the Father is God. He's one with them. And he is the one who gives you the faith to believe. Before I was a believer, I did not see the light. I did not understand who Jesus was. I knew there was a God, but I had no idea who he was or what he would want to do with me. But suddenly... On an evening, my heart changed, my ears opened, and I began to weep and understand, wow, I need him. And he flooded into me through his Holy Spirit. He took up dwelling in me. He tabernacled with me. And here I am now, sealed and shut into him. He sealed me in. He gave me the faith to believe, sealed me in that faith. And now he promised that he will never leave me or forsake me. Those promises are yours. The Holy Spirit is saying this to you. The same Holy Spirit that was involved in creation, this same Holy Spirit is saying this. You got a problem? I've got a promise. No matter what the problem is, I have a promise. And it's for you. But you need to understand the Holy Spirit. And I, I really don't think that we grasp enough of the work of the Holy Spirit in our day-to-day -day lives. I don't think we're opposed to it. I just don't think we're doing enough with our own lives to understand it. Listen what the great writer A.W. Tozier said once about the Holy Spirit. He said, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. But if the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would have stopped and everybody would have known the difference. He said the Holy Spirit is the heart of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. When the Spirit works in the church, he does so in the hearts of men and women and children. So God lives in you. Amazing thing. Not really able to explain that physiologically. Theologically, I know it's true, but I don't understand it. I just know this, that I have a spirit and I have the Holy Spirit. And his spirit witnesses to my spirit. And he leads me into truth and he convicts me of sin. He gives me words to speak when I need them. He is always there. When I find myself in need. And I can say Holy Spirit. What am I supposed to do in this situation? And it may be that I'm supposed to be quiet and listen. Or seek advice from some other person. But whatever it is. The Spirit of God nudges me toward. Or urges me toward. That's what I'm going to do. Because there's no way. My wisdom. My knowledge. My years of experience. Can match that of God. 
and yet God makes himself available to me. We first met the Spirit in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. Remember this? Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So the Spirit of God was involved in creation from the very beginning. And he's involved in recreation, taking you and me from where we were to where we should be by creating us again, bringing our spirits alive within us. And then he does something very special, Ephesians 1.13. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of faith, truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So the Spirit is in you if you've accepted Christ. He's, he's right in here, and he's sealed in there. What does that mean? You remember the Bible story, true story of Noah? Noah and his wife, three sons, their daughters, and how God said, I'm going to bring a flood on the earth, and you need to build an ark, and I want you to bring all these animals on the ark, and Noah was obedient. And over many, many, many years, he built this thing. And then the Bible says, when the last animal was in, all the families were there, God shut him in. That's good. Probably a pretty heavy door. So God had to do it. Well, then when it lands on the mountaintop and all the waters recede, wouldn't you think logically that Noah would open the door and go out? But no, he can't get out the door, so he goes through the roof. Why can't he get out the door? Because when God seals something in, there's no way out. You see, God has sealed himself in you in his Holy Spirit. He doesn't want to leave. He's not going to go anywhere. You've been saved, and so now he lives in you, but he's waiting for you to acknowledge his presence. He's waiting for you to yield to his leading. He's waiting to show you promises and you have to call on him how do you do that Luke eleven thirteen. Jesus is speaking and he says if you then though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him I want to talk about the difference between quantity and quality when you accepted Christ into your life, you received quantitatively all of the Holy Spirit you're ever going to get. He came into you. He's there. He's sealed. He's not leaving. And he's there. So that's it. So don't ask for more of him. There isn't any more. You got it all. But qualitatively, you need more. You and I need to constantly be yielding to his leading, seeking the wisdom of God that comes through the Holy Spirit. So that's what it means. We need that, that quality. He is the key to the promise box. He's the one that when I find myself in this battle that I may be engaging, I say, okay, Holy Spirit, lead me to the promise. Make the promise mine. Intercede on my behalf with the Father through the finished work of Jesus. You know, let me hear from you, God, through your Spirit. And God will do that. But you need a fresh awareness and an anointing of that Holy Spirit. 
Not the aberrations that some have spoken of. Not prosperity things that people are trying to pursue. But no, the true biblical understanding of the fullness of God in us. The hope of our glory. So I'm going to pray for that right now for you. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we're praying a fresh anointing from you on everyone sitting here today that you will reveal yourself more and more to them as they search for you and for the promises. So help them, Lord. Help them this day to leave changed a little bit more than they were when they came in. Help us, Jesus. We need your help. We pray it in your name. Amen. Okay, so we know that we have to know God. We have to know the Holy Spirit. But now we have to know how to really appropriate these promises. Isaiah 40 28 and 29. Here Isaiah is repeating these rhetorical questions again. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. This is a double sided promise. Here's what God is saying. Everything that I've created has limits to its strength. A storm can only be so strong. can't be stronger than that. An earthquake, a fire, a windstorm. You know, nothing can go beyond the limits that God has given it. But God has no limits himself. His strength is unlimited. There's nothing that's impossible with God. And so... The point of this is this, that in this double-sided promise, God is saying, look, I'll never get tired of loving you. I'll never become weary of caring for you. God doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He's not like a human being. He doesn't need to regain energy to go do something. He is unlimited in his energy. God has imposed upon all of us limits, but he's opened to all of us the promises that exceed those limits. So if you have a problem, he has a promise. Here's the promise, Isaiah 40, 30 and 31. Even the youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. The word renew there. The Lord will renew their strength. The Hebrew word actually means to change or exchange. In 2019, my wife and I were on a mission trip to Nigeria, where we've been going since 2003. She addresses the widows there, and there's a huge luncheon for them, and they're all over the grounds of out in the area, and some tents there. It was a little over 110 degrees. It was rather warm. We were there December the 20th, 2019. There were 5,000 widows gathered out in the street and on the slopes. And as we're sitting there, under a canopy. My wife turned to me and she said, okay, it's coming to a close now, so I need to pray for them. And I said, that's great, honey. And she said, I'm going to go out there to pray. I said, okay. And I reached over and got an umbrella 
And I started walking out with her, and I said, so you're just going to offer the prayer, and then we'll go back. She said, no, I'm going to pray for each widow individually, and I'm going to give her a kiss on each cheek from the Lord. And that's what I'm going to do. I think I lasted an hour holding the umbrella, and somebody else came out and held the umbrella. You talk about renew. God exchanged her strength for his strength. She stood there for seven hours when the last widow passed by. 5,000 women were prayed for that day. Now, I'm not lifting her up. I'm not saying she did something great. What I'm saying is she said, Holy Spirit, I need the strength to do this. And he exchanged her weakness for his strength. So she was able to go out there. She drank a little water now and then. She didn't perspire. She didn't get weak. And here she was, two and a half, three years into stage four cancer. It didn't bother her because God's strength is so great. And when he wants something done, he will do it through you if you claim the promise. It's not the extension of natural strength. It's the exchange of natural strength for supernatural strength. And these promises that he brings, they're for you. They're all for you. So here we are back in my aunt's living room. Except we're in God's living room and God is saying, what promise do you want for tomorrow? So how do you pull down a promise of God? You got to know God. Know the Holy Spirit. But now you also have to know the formula that God gave us for doing this. It's found in Matthew 7, 7. Easy to remember. 77. Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. If you've been around Christianity for long, you've read the Bible at all, you know that one. Well, I have the unauthorized version that I wrote. Okay, the Wally version. In no way am I being disrespectful to the Word of God. I just want to tell you how I happen to apply that passage in my life. So I changed, ask, seek, and knock. They seem a little mild to me. Okay? And here's what I did. I take ask, and I say, holler. I'm not going to go like I'm asking, you know, could I have two cheeseburgers? You know, I'm going to go in and say, hey, God, hey, God, come here. I know you're here, but I mean, I need to holler at you. Not meanly, but I need to get your attention, God, just like David did. And I know he's listening. He's always listening. But I want to show him my enthusiasm. I want him to know I'm not just simply asking, wondering. I'm hollering, believing. I believe God will answer this. But that's not enough. I also have to seek, and that is to hunt. Okay, you know they say women shop and men hunt. Okay, I'm hunting. What am I hunting for? I go into the scriptures to those 7,487 promises, and I try to find the ones that fit what I'm about to ask for. So it takes work on your part. I say, Holy Spirit, lead me to the passages. Because I read the scripture every day, I want him to remind me, say, well, you just read this one today. Go back to that one. It has the promise you need. Oh, wow, there it is. So I'm on a hunt. So I'm hollering and I'm hunting 
And once again, to get God's attention, I'm hammering. I'm not going, you know, excuse me, God, knocking on heaven's door. No, I'm going to go, you know, hey, God, let's have a talk here. I found a promise. I want it. Will you bring it to me? It'll bring glory to you. I'll give you all the glory, Lord. I need your strength for my weakness. This is God's promise to you. If you've got a problem, he's got a promise. So, get on with it. Holler, hunt, and hammer. Holler, hunt, and hammer. And then, let's see what God will do in your life when you yield to the Spirit knowing who God is, having accepted Christ, and you're hollering, hunting, and hammering. I want you to say those three words with me together. Holler, hunt, hammer. You're never going to get in like that. Come on. Holler, hunt, and hammer. Let's pray. Lord, we are hollering up to heaven, Lord. We're so glad that there's an avenue open to us. We're hunting down every promise you have for us that will bring you glory and honor. And Lord, we will continue to hammer on your door until those promises come true according to your perfect will and your perfect time. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your promises. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Go out and have a great Sunday and a wonderful week in this weather that's getting better and better. We'll be releasing from the back rows, and you can follow the lead on the screens for the rest of you.